Hey everyone, welcome to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. If you are just first stumbling upon this podcast, we are based on 12-step recovery. I do like to explore other areas in which people find their true selves. Uh, there's many many avenues to uh, to a full life and also to sobriety. And uh, I just have a little bit of a mission to 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 try to keep carrying the torch for. Uh, in case uh, you haven't found your way yet, perhaps it will come to you through this medium. Uh, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery is a book by James Christopher Cohn. It is a, a new look on the 12 steps. Uh, a lot of tribal knowledge has been put together that people, uh, sponsors have in their heads being passed down. And uh, Christopher took what he knew and bundled it up into one powerful book. Uh, it, is the, it is the methodology of the 12 steps that, that I use. And uh, the book is also geared for people who don't necessarily suffer from alcohol or addiction. So uh, he really talks about how the, what, what Bill identifies as the root of alcoholism is a, a spiritual malady. He really beats on and, and allows, not beats on, allows the reader to, uh, to get in touch with how they may have a spiritual malady, but it maybe has not resulted in uh, over drinking or drugging or any, maybe none of the isms. Maybe, maybe you're just not too damn happy <laughs> and uh, you're looking for a little more happiness, a little more contentedness in your life. So that's a 12 step spiritual recovery by James Christopher Cohn on Amazon. Uh, you can get that in hard copy or the Kindle version. As a matter of fact, there's a few chapters on, on it uh, that I read out loud on the podcast. So if you just want to get a free taste of it, you could listen to those. Uh, Darren Frank's music is wrapped around this podcast. Good friend of mine. Thankful to have royalty-free recovery-based music to, uh, to to play here. And uh have a guest tonight that I met through Clubhouse. Uh, I had a little run on Clubhouse. And frankly, just not too long ago, the meeting I was doing on Clubhouse kind of uh, fell down to me and a couple guys I knew locally. And so I thought my energy ought to be placed elsewhere. And I just really haven't been on Clubhouse much lately. Uh I stopped doing that meeting and uh, and found myself drifting away from it. But luckily, I met Crystal before uh, that. Uh, before I did that, and that was one great thing about Clubhouse. I met a lot of great people, and um, you know, life is so full today that you know you get you get to pick and choose what you're going to bring into your life today. And I love that. Uh, uh, I, I can't imagine having the energy that I have to do all the stuff I'm doing today. Uh, it has. I, I, I saw a meme once that said, let's stop telling everyone how busy we are. And uh, and I really tried to do that. That hit me, I, I, you know, because who you ask somebody, what, what you been up to? Well, I've been busy. What you been? I've been busy. Haven't heard from you in a while. I've been busy. And I've tried really to stop saying that. And I've changed it with my life is full. Uh, and I'm grateful for that. So Crystal's an uh, athlete, an author, a speaker and a coach. Uh, she's the author of the book, Quitting to Win. And my phone just decided to do something I didn't want it to do. Uh, and I had that sitting right here and I touched it wrong. And I've never, uh, I wanted to get the tagline on the, the, the byline on it. Quitting to Win, a proven plan to let go of bad habits, learn to feel and love yourself. Um how are you today, Crystal? I'm well, Dan. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so uh, you're sober for, what's your sobriety date? Yeah, March 22nd, 2015. It's the first time that I got sober. I had some relapses in there. Um, so yep. I'm I, going on that. This is, uh, you know. When they said keep coming back, I thought it was just some kind of quaint little saying they just like to chant at you. But the secret to this truly is to keep trying to keep, you know, I think that's probably the secret to everything is to get back up when you fall and try, try again. That's right. And like, you know, when you're running a marathon and you fall down at, you know, mile number 10, they don't make you go back to the start and start over again. Right. You just pick, pick yourself up and you just keep on going. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I need so, more ammunition on of that type because uh, people do tend to pull the biggest ball bat they can find out of the locker and beat themselves up when they stumble. And I, uh, I like the marathon analogy that you, you you don't have to go back to the starting line. You just get up where you're at. You just get up where you're at and you keep on going. And um, I, I carried a lot of shame after my first relapse. And then they said, you know, 
we don't shoot our wounded. Yeah. And I was like, wah, <laughs> I just started crying. You know what I mean? With all the embrace. And it's like, okay, I'm back where I belong. Yeah. And just pick myself up and keep on going. Yeah. That, uh, that was the first time I, and uh, this is a recovery podcast, but I'll in AA, I, uh, that's the first time I had experienced that kind of support. It, it, I was a little standoffish about it at first, uh, that, that really unwavering support for you from what really were basic strangers just not too long ago, uh, actually coming in and, and raising, raising up the people who are, who are trying to do this deal. And, um, and I'm still touched by it when that magic happens in a room and you get to be fortunate enough to, you know, um, a lot of meetings are just meetings, but some of them go magic and, uh, it is very cool to be sitting in one of them when they when when the magic comes on. And I can't even describe what that is really, but I, I know I experienced it in my very first AA meeting. It, it I felt the magic that night because a guy come stumbling in there, having no idea what he was doing, and spoke mm-hmm. a little bit because when they said it's anybody first AA meeting, I raised my hand. What I know now is a is a lull, a quiet period in case somebody's slow to raise their hand. Uh, I thought they were waiting for me to talk, and I did. <laughs> So I shared about a little bit and I opened myself up to the group. And when I did that, that allowed them to open themselves up to me. And, uh, and, and they really poured a lot of hope into me that night. But as you said, I didn't maintain that sobriety date. I had a, I had a few more dates after that until, uh, till keep coming back until the miracle happens happened for me. Yeah. go Go ahead. Yeah, me as well. And you know, it's like, but I thought that I healed myself. I thought that I cured myself, you know, cause I had stopped for so long. I got rid of my resentments, went through the steps, you know, got rid of all that stuff that I, I had a connection. I, you know, all those spiritual parts that were missing. Um, but still I'm wired differently. I have that allergy, you know, the blackouts still came and it just quickly, like in two to three weeks, I was back in the hospital, like as desperate as I was, a year ago, yeah, you know, so what they say is like, if you relapse, you, you get there quicker or whatever, you know, back to exactly, yeah. you go right you back exactly to where you are. And that, and that's no joke, you know, and, and I just want people to know that if you fail, it's okay. It, it's not a failure. It's just part of the journey and, you know, just pick yourself right back up. And it's almost like, you know, once we know there's a better way of living, it's so hard to live like that, you know, it's just a great design for living, you know, these, the, the 12 and 12. And I believe there's 12 more steps after that, you know, that go with food and nutrition, right. You know, the yep. first 12 of how you deal with yourself, the other 12, how you deal with others. And then the 12, you know, sleep, water, nutrition, movement, connection, you know, all those things, take a nap, recharge, like those, the other yep. life skills. Yep. Uh, definitely. It was a, a springboard into a better way of life. It was not, it was just my beginning. Uh, I certainly weren't, wasn't ever going to get into the, the nutrition and exercise and, and that kind of thing. If I wasn't able to set down the other stuff, uh, I, for this guy, those two things didn't come in concert with one another. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I have a, I have a sponsee who worked out really hard and he's a fit dude. And he did that, you know, drunk, and, I, you know, I I'm was just one not doing for you. I just wasn't I doing was that. And I think it just came from being an athlete and we would still have to wake up for Saturday morning practices, you know? So Friday night we'd win. We'd still have to show up on Saturday morning and, or during the week in college, if we were drinking, we'd still have to show up, you know? So showing up and doing a run and throwing up was, you know, just par for the course. Yeah. It was really not, it, w- it wasn't really matter if, you know, it didn't matter. Yeah. And uh, the fitness level us. and the youth was able to, I think, also help you with that. Uh, once yeah. I, a- once I aged a little while, uh, my body wasn't going to let me do that <laughs> anymore. Uh, I really used a, a drinking and drugging experience to end my athletic career. Uh, I ended up smoking marijuana on a bus on the way home from a away game once with some guys. Some se- I was a sophomore and they were seniors on a, on a basketball trip. And uh, I actually had a guy come back into my life the other day from that. Uh, out of the five guys that got kicked out of the te- off the team, uh, three are now dead. And there's me and this other guy, so I was left. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that early substance abuse uh, 
proclivity ended up yeah. really showing itself there. And whenever I got kicked off team, I just, uh, you know, I got a resentment. How yeah. dare they? And, uh, and, and I now went, it's, I went full. I don't blast. Know. And now it's not even illegal. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's, in some uh, states. Yep. In some states. And I'm sure that'll be that way here before too awful long. It's not quite yet. Kentucky. I live in Indiana, but I'm on a Kentucky border and Kentucky's a little more progressive in that way than what Indiana is. Uh, I'm really, I'm really worried about that. And my sponsor's a, uh, substance abuse counselor with a bunch of letters after his name and uh and he's seeing that uh, like a few years ago the heroin epidemic and that was what was flooding into his facility uh what's flooding into his facility now are our marijuana addicts that's right because that, that this is not your grandma's marijuana that we're, that we're smoking <laughs> no it's not i get a lot of calls on that you know people will ask me i don't know what to do with my kid you know marijuana blah 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 and that it is kind of the new the new one that will that will knock you out yep my my, uh, my sponsor says don't kid you don't kid yourself with this this is a high power narcotic we're dealing with today uh it's not it's not just smoking a little weed it sure is and i was on a panel a couple of weeks ago about the demi lovato series that came out on youtube mm. and she started using this this word California sober and it just got the, you know, the community in the uproar. So we got together six people and talked about that and just how, you know, it is not sober. Mm. You're not sober. Either you're sober or you're not, you know, there's no gray. <laughs> yeah. The first time I heard it's, that term was on clubhouse. Yeah. It was having to do with, it was about the yeah, same like, time that that come out. And, uh, you know, I, I fully believe into each their own. Uh, but, but there are some, there are some lines that aren't really blurry. And uh, I think to me, uh, sobriety is not a blurry line. It's you either are, you're not. Right. And, and then you're still out there trying and then it's called a relapse, right? Like what, what I went through. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And part of my relapse story was, was that in my experience and I watch other people too. So I I believe that it's a, a, a thing that what you will do is you will eventually drift back to your drug of choice. You, you know, pop, I didn't, I didn't really have a problem with pot. Okay. So I can smoke some of it. And then before long, whatever you do like to do becomes an option. That's right. It's just a trail. They said, I remember the whole thing about it not being a gateway drug and, and it was for me. Uh, and, and to be completely honest, what the, my gateway drug was, was nicotine. That was the first place I did something that changed my head that, uh, I decided, Hey, I like this and I want some more of that. Right. Uh, and the first thing I, you know, that I experienced that, you know, that stops working real fast as far as the uh, change the way you feel. You want it hooks you and it doesn't change the way you feel. It doesn't make you feel good anymore. Uh, right. Now you're hooked. And um, yeah. So uh, what caused you? Uh, we can go anywhere with this that you want to. Uh, I do. I do like to hear about how people grew up and what their childhood was like. Mm. And I think there's a there, there's. It helps that like nobody, I came from a, a, a upper middle class family with two great parents that stayed married to the day my mom passed away a couple of years ago. And uh, I cannot lay my alcoholism off the feet of my parents. I just can't. My dad is not, he lives with me now. He moved after mom passed. He, we decided and made an arrangement and he lives with me. He may walk by here and say something in a minute because he just doesn't quite understand what we're, <laughs> he's got a little idea about what we're doing here, but he, but not a full grasp of it. Um, he decides uh, to start rattling around and making some noise while I'm doing, that's one of the reasons why I do in the, do them a lot of times in a wood shop. Cause I can go out there and hang up the do not disturb sign in the window. And, okay, uh, good. but I can't lay my alcoholism at the feet of, at the feet of my parents. Uh, and that's, there's a little bit that I learned as the way the book says more will be disclosed or more will be revealed, whichever way it says that, that I got a little bit more story on that, but I'd like to hear about how you grew up. Yeah, so I grew up very middle class, didn't have a lot, but needed for nothing. Um, my mom divorced my dad when I was one because he was an alcoholic mm. and she just wanted peace in the home. He was a delivery driver. And with his delivery back then, you know, he just was able to trade everything and then always end up at the bar at the end of the day and not come home. So she got divorced and, um, she, we did not have any alcohol in the house. Um, you know, grew up, had a really happy childhood and started playing competitive softball at 
the age of like 10, five, you know, I played all the way up, but at the age of 10, started playing competitively in the high school team made the varsity in high school, made the varsity team and then was 14 year old put up with the 18 year olds, like you were saying, and that social anxiety. And then we won our region that year and had a celebration that I went to and then had that first drink and zoom all my social anxiety just went away, you know, being with these older girls and these older kids. And I felt that zoom. Right. And then I just couldn't wait to get back to that every, every weekend or every, every chance I got. And I was like, okay, so if I do well in school and I play well, you know, then nobody will bother me. And that's pretty much what happened all the way through high school and all the way through college. Um, I was a very high performer, good grades and blackout drunk, blackout drunk. You know, I have many, many blank spaces in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I got pulled over when I was 20 years old driving and I, I was given an underage consumption and a fine. So I paid the fine. Then I had to go to five classes Well, these five classes were the step meetings. And it was then sitting in those classes that I learned what might, could I be an alcoholic? My drinking's a little bit different. They give you those 12 questions. You know, if you answer three yes to three or more, you might have, you know, a problem. And I was like, what, how can I have a problem? You know, so that planted the seed for me because my idea of an alcoholic was the person under the bridge with the brown bag. Yeah. Fast forward, it took me another 20 years to get back into the room. So, you know, yep. so stories much like yours of having a seed planted early on. And what I learned to do was, uh, I frankly learned once I started getting caught, I learned to do it better and not get caught. That's, that's what I learned to do. And meanwhile, that's it. And even in a lot of times, you know, we, if somebody said, Oh, Crystal was involved, like, no, she wouldn't have been there, you know, because we just, we, we were so good by day and bad by night, you know, really Jekyll and Hyde started early on. Yeah. There was a bit of a, for me, a little that, you know, well, that boys will be boys kind of thing with the drinking beer. Nobody really gave, you know, that was really what I, or, you know, uh, pain pills is what got me in trouble. And that's Mm -hmm. what accelerate hyper accelerated my alcoholism. But as far as going fishing or playing ball or doing that kind of stuff, a few beers sitting around was normal. And, and really nobody, nobody looked at, it looked at it sideways for doing that. No, not at all. And then fast forward to having a kid, taking two years off for having a kid and breastfeeding. And then my going back to drinking, it was like blacking out right away, you know, and then the mommy wine culture of just, you know, having to drink every day at three o'clock, you know, and it just progressively snuck up on me, you know, husband's traveling for work, you're home raising kids, you know, that bitterness, that resentment grows, um, but you're really not doing anything wrong. You know, you're just not present and you're not doing anything wrong as long as everything's going right. Right. And then the line started and not really being able to be present with my daughter, um, you know, drinking and driving. And it just progressively snuck up on me as an adult again. I mean, I was definitely had consequences and blackout stuff in my twenties, but it's just, it's not, it's, when you become a parent, it's just not a good look. And not only is it not a good look, it, it becomes illegal, yeah. you know, for child endangerment and mm-hmm. drinking and driving with a minor. And I watched a few of my girlfriends, moms in my community, Arizona switched the law to zero tolerance. And um, they were very strict on it. And I watched a few people, you know, spend their weekends in tent city and lose their driver's license and not be able to drive their kids for a year. And that really struck me. And every Monday, every weekend, um, I would say, I'm not going to do that again. You know, I was living in this shell of myself in this insanity of doing the same thing over and over and just this picture perfect life that I wanted and a child and I had it all, but I was dying inside. Yeah. And that's how desperate I was. I mean, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't not go on. And I didn't know if I was going to lose my marriage because of it, if I was going to lose my child because of it, but I knew I just couldn't, couldn't go on. Yeah. Those tears um, that lay in the background there. And part of the reason why I believe Bill had it was been told divinely that we need to do that fear inventory. That, that's right. You know, living with those things in your, 
uh, one of the analogies I like to use and was taught was that I have a backpack on me and every experience I have, I'm putting in that backpack. I'm just stuffing it in there, you know, and the fact that, that a lot of what was driving me was fear. You know, I was not yeah. doing this because I was scared or I was doing this because I was scared. And that's an awful way to, uh, to go through life. It is. Whenever I, as soon as I started to feel a little bit uncomfortable, which then, you know, uh, revealed as social, like a social anxiety, um, as soon as I started to feel a little bit uncomfortable, you know, I would take a drink when I was doing my hair, getting ready to go out to a social situation with friends. Like these are your friends. Why would you, why would you feel uncomfortable or why are you going to feel nervous? You know, <laughs> you shouldn't, it should be totally relaxed situation. And, but for me, socially, it was just, and then the socialness of staying home, taking care of a kid, it was, you know, every day turned into social, um, you know, with nowhere to be and just, so I just, I, I hope to bring awareness to the mommy wine culture of, you know, that alcoholism is a progressive disease. It sneaks up on you. You know, like we were saying, we can't lay it and blame it on our parents. It's just something. And then with the pills, the pills, you get there quicker, or, you know, you start mixing drugs, you get there quicker. Or for me, I'd like needed some cocaine to stay sober you know, and then that just kept you drinking longer and, you know, all of it combined, it was just disaster. Yep. That's uh, how the pills, the pills didn't put, I always tell this little, my dad, if I, he takes a pain pill, he's on the couch for eight hours. If I, if I take a pain pill, I'm vacuuming and raking the leaves and, uh, <laughs> and, and, it, and my, my, uh, the alcohol quit working for me. Uh, you know, and I've heard that said in the room since then, and it was, a uh, a. uh, uh bell ringing moment for me because i do recall right. when it stopped working i just couldn't get drunk enough i couldn't and by not working it what that meant was is it wasn't giving me the feeling that i was looking for anymore right once i got a hold of those pain pills boom everything started working again you know i could drink, drink on those and keep going for the night and uh, yeah. and it really, like I said, it, 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 and that's, you know, tends to be a lot of people's story is that they start adding on to what, and, and it's like what we were talking about earlier. My, I started out where smoking a little pot was enough for me every day, you know, or on the weekends, not even every day, just as one to get over the social anxiety stuff to loosen mm -hmm. me up. And then I added alcohol to that. And then I added this to that and this to that. And before long, there wasn't much I hadn't done. Uh, some of them were a little more scarier than others. And I would judge uh, the particular, I have them all on an even playing field today. Uh, I really don't see one from a, from another anymore. Like the heroin addict is worse than the alcoholic and the, right. uh, <laughs> but right. the, that starts flirting with a lot more scarier substances, uh, that, that, uh, I was talking about talking to a guy here the other day and that, that knowing inside that, that I knew something was nudging me that I, what I was doing was not right. Dan, you right. really shouldn't be doing this. You really shouldn't. And that little, you know, I could, I could over drink that voice and I could get that voice to go away. <laughs> by, but I knew when I was picking stuff up, when I started to use any particular chemical, there was that little nudge, but I, I didn't listen to it. That the, it's kind of like the angel and the devil on the shoulders picture, you know, they were arguing about whether if, uh, I should do this or not. And, uh, and, and the substance always won for me until I had a 12 step foundation to be able to defeat that. Yeah. And the first couple of years of my sobriety was all I could do to be sober. You know, I just had to go to meetings, stay within my community, was socially couldn't, didn't want to put myself in those parking lots or restaurants where I had these memories come back or whatever, you know, and then, you know, you get to this point in your recovery where you're like, okay, so I've been given this gift of sobriety. So what am I going to do with it? You know, how do you close that gap? And then to, to get to giving back and meeting wonderful people through different platforms and carrying the message of hope to all those who still suffer. And it's, it, it's really, that is, you know, turning my mess into my message. Yeah. And, and if you can reach one person, right, it's, it's, it's all worth it because if they weren't there when I showed up, right. So that's why we keep showing up for each other. Yep. It's like just for one person to hear it. And you know how you were talking about getting busy, earlier yep. but um you, you still have to show up for each other like this you yep. know you can't get too busy because then you get busy being busy yep. and you forget 
then you get to keep giving back. And I just, I just love the way the triangle works and all the different things. So, yeah. One of my favorite sayings that I hear those little sayings that get tossed around these rooms. And as I told you earlier, I can go see a movie with two friends back to back nights and not remember, but those little sayings stick in this snogging of mine. And uh, my favorite one (laughs) of that was don't let the life AA give you, gave you get in the way of your AA life. And, uh, and you just see it almost as a cliche is when people get well, they get, you know, back problems, they get all their stuff back. And as they begin to get their life back, they start setting down their recovery. And uh, that's really the lesson that I learned on this time around that I took to heart was a friend saying, you know, a simple, another little thing a guy told me, you, he said, Dan, you must participate in your own recovery. So the podcast and sponsoring people and doing that retreat last month and, you know, those kind of things have keeping me in the game, you know, keeping me where I'm, I'm continuing to participate in my recovery this time around. And that's, uh, I set everything down once and that didn't work out so well for me. That's exactly right. Like I look at my calendar and I go, oh, I get to see my sponsor on Wednesday. I go, oh, how do I feel? I'm feeling good. Like I want to call and cancel and I'd be like, oh, I'm good. And then I'll show up and she's, I'd be like, I was, I'm so good. I was going to cancel, <laughs> but then I, then that's what got me all the way back to square one last time. Cause I thought I was good, you know, and then life still sneaks up on you. So it's so just so funny that I just show up, I show up no matter what. Yep. And you know, whatever comes out, comes out. But like you're saying, the backpack, I call it the bank account, you know, where you're just making those deposits and for when you need it. And, um, you know, life still continues to get lifey and you still, you still need it. And hopefully you have some, you know, debits in your bank account and you can get through it. I mean, I know for me, it's still, I'm not fully emotionally sober all the time. You know, I still get angry. I still will slip into being selfish or I'll slip into, um, you know, I self me and, but I can, Oh, talking about our little things that we take away. Like my favorite one is halt, you know, am I hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And generally if I start to get anxious or something's bothering me or somebody's ticking me off in the house, I go, Oh, halt my hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And then normally I can drink some water, go take a nap, come back in 20 minutes and like zoom and it's just gone. You know, whatever I was feeling, it just passed this and I'm able to catch myself and not create wreckage. Right. It's not that I don't have those feelings anymore. Those feelings still come up less and less, but you know, and I do believe that you can rewire your brain, you know, in, in, fix these neural pathways. And like they say, what fires together, wires together, you know? So if you create these new habits and stuff, you know, those thoughts will come in less and less. And if you use statements like up until now, I used to feel lonely when my husband traveled, you know, I don't feel like that anymore, you know, but you have to like reprogram your brain and it takes like a conscious effort and going through, you know, this way of living and working with people, in the program is really the best way to do it. I mean, it's, it's not through doctors. I know you said your sponsor has uh, letters behind their name, you know, but it's, I really find that it's working not with paid people, yep. you know what I mean? Like really just working with people. Yep. That's just um, like the triage is usually where he's comes in, you know, that's stopping the mess when it's really bad so that you can get right. your, your, you can get turned in a new direction and, and, uh, and helps point you to these communities that, uh, that you will do the rest of your life with if you are smart. <laughs> um, That's right. Yeah. That, uh, it's one of the reasons why, you know, that another one of the ones is keeping it green, uh, continuing to work with new people because, uh, it helps me remember when I see how much my new guy is struggling and how hard life is day to day for him is a daily reminder to me of where I don't want to go back to. Um, I can, I could find myself, you know, there's, there's a funny little thing about how, uh, we, we, this disease will forget we have it. And, uh, if we're not around it a lot and, uh, there's just nothing that touches that more fulfilling to me than to be a part of another guy's life. Whenever the lights are coming on for him to be able to help him make that course correction and to walk hand in hand side by side with them as they, uh, begin this new way of living and be able to promise them that it will, I can guarantee you, if you will do this, your life will get better. I really can guarantee you that. 
uh, to yeah. have an amazing tool is, is, is very fulfilling in my life. Yeah, it is just such a great playbook. And I'm part of this foundation called the Sold Out Youth Foundation. And our message is to go into middle schools and teach kids or get kids to commit to abstinence. And, you know, it has some celebrity endorsements behind it and these celebrities telling them, you know, that, that, that they're abstinence, you know, so there's this, hopefully we can get to the youth earlier. Right. I mean, I really didn't have anybody telling me anything either way. You know what I mean? It was kind of just a a side hush thing that the kids did. Right. There wasn't really, I don't remember anything until like mad came around and that was like, Oh, well don't drink and drive. But, but for, for me living in the city or the suburbs, I mean, Uber was around and then Uber allowed me to not break the law. Yeah. You know, drink responsibly. So we, yeah. Drink responsibly. But, you know, if we can get to the youth of today and just say, you know, there's just, you just don't ever have to start drinking. You don't, you don't even need it. You know, here's the tools you need to deal with, you know, that way that you feel. So um, hopefully that will, It'll trend. have an impact, you know. The, I, I think the, it will trend. I think knowledge is doubling, like, you know, every 12 hours out there and people, you know, are putting out all this great content and the, the young and the youth are learning, you know, that they don't even have to start. Yeah, right. The uh, And, you know, I kind of hope that it'll kind of like, you know, be like smoking, you know, that it finally gets to where it's weans itself out and, you know, and there's still people smoking. Yes, but it's a heck of a lot less. You just don't see people smoking the way they used to. And uh, maybe, maybe drinking and alcohol will be in the same boat someday. I, I do believe that. And I'm, I would, one of my dreams and visions is to take it all the way up to Capitol Hill and change the laws of alcohol advertising. I mean, just like the smoking ones, like if they have a smoking commercial, then here's the warning, you know, like the alcohol stuff needs the warning and for every alcohol, you know, glamorous ad they make, they need to make a, what happens, the wreckage of an alcohol also. So there's a couple laws that can still be put into place. And hopefully, you know, I, I do see those shifting over my lifetime and that will be my work. I'm yeah. committed to, to making that my work of reaching the youth for abstinence and changing the laws um, at the highest level. Yeah. I've said, uh, you know, it's a really great thing that, you know, that, that this could come in and, and fix the broken me at 45 years old, you know, but right. what can we do to not bro- get broken in the first place, not to get, not to never get there. Uh, that right. would be the, the, the solution is to, instead of this uh, repairing things to to arm people with the real facts about what this will do i've told my kids uh i've armed them with the facts that's for sure they know my story and they knew who drunk dad was too and uh they were eight and ten when i got sober mm-hmm. and uh and you know i've said to them one way i've said it to them is that you know something i know that someday you're going to get a chance you're going to be offered a drink or a drug you're going to be it's just the way it is and uh you know it's like spinning a roulette wheel on what it's going to do with you i had no idea in the ninth grade when i started i think it was around the ninth grade when i started this little toying around and experimenting with drugs and alcohol that it was going to take me to stand in front of a judge telling me I was going to go to prison for six to 20 years. You know, that was not what I was thinking. And so uh, allowing them that, uh, giving them that knowledge. And, uh, and I think it's, I I think it's working up to this point. I I think they're listening. Yeah. Uh, They've gone to meetings with me. They know all my friends. Uh, You know, we've not, we've not hid any of this uh, from them. And, uh, and, and they've told me that they like the sober dad a whole lot more. So hopefully, uh, that'll sink in that, that they'll like themselves a lot more sober too. Right. Yeah. My daughter has grown up around my recovery as well. Going to meetings. Thank God I found a home group, you know, that had childcare when I first started and, you know, those moms that were there, that's just a bond. Like, you know, we didn't have with anybody else, you know, cause we were both in childbearing, raising same state, getting sober, same state of, you know, our child's life. And it's almost like we're reborn, you know, at that. It's like, we grew up. I, I like to say like, I, I grew up in AA yep, me too. <laughs> because I didn't start growing up until I got sober. 
Yep. I you know, it was 100%. very codependent. Yeah, um, I really don't. I didn't feel like an adult. Now looking back, it's all rear view mirror stuff. But looking back, uh, I really didn't feel like I matured into adulthood until I was 45 years old and got sober. Uh, yeah. It's, it's almost embarrassing. <laughs> it's uh, it's like, wow, to think back about, you know, just how aloof I was to what was going on in the world and, and the real the real deal here. Uh, I still say, you know, sometimes I'm still that 12 year old boy. It's like an arrested development thing. Uh, I, I can kind of revert back to that when I'm not using my tools. Like you said, mm -hmm. uh, I, what I heard, uh, I'm able to do the course correction today, re relatively efficient. So I, like you said, don't have to make any wreckage. I can, uh, I can catch that and employ yep. tools before I, uh, hurt somebody or, do something that uh that's contrary to the way I'm trying to operate my life today. Yeah. And what about the other things about like, you know, how we've been hacked like I was hacked from alcohol, right? Cuz it yep. it would gain like hacking means that something gain unauthorized access to to a system or computer. Normally we think about our bank accounts or whatever, but really alcohol you know hacked my brain. Yep. and gain system, you know, gain access to my body or whatever. And how do you counterattack that? But how do you release those endorphins that you would get from the synthetic, you know, taking something else of those drugs or the pot or the pills or the whatever? Like, I really am in a place right now in my sobriety where I'm like, okay, I need to go catch some adrenaline. <laughs> All right, let me just go cannonball into the pool. Like, just for fun. You know what I mean? Or like I started this screaming and I, I picked it up from a breath worker who put me through this breathing session, you know, and had this screaming. So like it, the joke is the scream pillow. You like, it's okay to scream in the scream pillow, like when you're happy or, or when you're angry. Yeah. Right. But your body still has that release. Right. So I think um, it's all about, you know, when you exercise and you release those other chemicals and how do you learn your computer, your brain to release those chemicals that you're naturally supposed to release without the synthetic stuff. Yep. That's really where I'm at right now. And I'm just really enjoying this part of my, um, sobriety being like, okay, I went and drove fast the other day in one of these, like this fun convertible car just for fun. Cause I had this big meeting and I'm like, okay, I need a release after this. Like, okay, let me go find my friend and go drive fast down the freeway. You know, and, and nobody was in a danger or anything, but just finding how to tap into your natural drugs. Yeah. Yep. I think if you could learn that, that at a young age, it, it would just be, it's a game changer. Yeah. Yep. It really is. I, we are on the same path in a lot of directions. I think about that too. I thought one of the ways I talk to people is that this disease is like a computer virus and it hacks your operating system. And uh, frankly, that really wasn't you. That's the powerless aspect of this kind of thing. It's another parallel to that, that, that what that's doing to you is not you, your operating system has been hacked and, and you are no longer running the show and we got to get it back under your control and it's going to take some time. And we're going to have to do some things you're not going to want to do. Uh, but if you, if you, if you listen to me, we'll get there. And I, I love that. You know, we uh, still wanting to, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but I have a adventurous side to me that I need to tap into. And there's certain things that I like to do that I know I, I really need to do today. You know, uh, mm -hmm. uh, one, one of mine is hunting. I, I get a, I, I, yeah. I get something from doing that, 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 and, and I really, I haven't shot anything in a long time, but I still hunt <laughs> just like I just, <laughs> yeah, it's almost see. not fair to say I'm a hunter. I a disclaimer, And it's not that I'm opposed to it. I just haven't had to, it's interesting that I get the fulfillment that I need without that element. And that actually employs, that actually puts the work into it too. So now you got this animal that you got to deal with <laughs> mm -hmm. and I get to have all the fun without that part of the work. And, uh, I'm actually going to Colorado with some friends this, uh, in this fall and, and I'm not hunting, I'm a felon and Colorado doesn't let you hunt. And I was oh. a little, 
I was a little bothered by that at first, but then I thought, well, I'm not killing anything while I'm at home hunting. What do I care? So I'll just go out there and be part of the experience and be, uh, and help those guys. And, uh, and, you know, tapping into the creative side too, I think is something that was taught, taught to me. That's really important as an element to bring into a recovered life is to have some way to, uh, find what you, you know, find a creative element in your life that you can, uh, tap into and i think that releases them same kind of chemicals that's that same thing that you're you're trying to get released on purpose uh there's just a lot of ways this this thing goes so far beyond not drinking and drugging it sure does yeah meditation usually is one thing that people find right away how you were saying about hunting i feel the same way like when i go out and play catch with the softball you know and somebody just throw it and you know hear that pop in your glove and you know, you just throw it as hard as you can at each other playing catcher as fast as you can, you know, you, you catch that. Then I feel the same way. Like when, you know, you're hunting. So yeah, just identifying those things in life that give you that release, whether it's like the epinephrine or the dopamine or the serotonin, you know, there's those four main chemicals. And once, when you get through exercise. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, the science says today that those chemicals is that's what's happening artificially when you're using the chemicals and then your ability to release them naturally begins to wane as you diminish on this. So then you've got to rebalance the scales again and get these things. Like you said, those synapses and get all that stuff firing again. And, uh, and, and, your new alcoholic that I meet the other night wants that to happen real fast. And I say, it's not going to happen fast, buddy. I'm sorry to tell you that it's uh things can get better pretty quick, but this is a, this is a process. And frankly, it's a process that you'll need to employ the rest of your life. Uh, there's not a finish line in this race. There is no finish line. There is no finish line. And I learned that, you know, with the relapse thinking, Oh, I, I finished this. I did it for a year. I, you know, did everything my sponsor told me for a whole year, nine, you know, 90 and 90, went to meetings, but did, did a home group, blah, blah, blah. Thought I graduated. Yep. <laughs> you know, just one thing in life that you is always part of you. And it's just, you know, I am a grateful alcoholic, Christian mother, businesswoman, author, you know, and just, I, I could have never gotten where I am today if it weren't for that. You know, and the people that I have met through this journey, it's just incredible. I had a wonderful meeting this weekend with somebody, he's in our community, so I'll I'll tell you who he is, but they made the movie Jerry Maguire after him, and he's a sports agent. Um, His name's Lee Steinberg, and he was the greatest agent, and then he failed, and then lost it all with, went to alcohol and got it all back again. Um, so he has agreed to co-write with me my next book. Awesome. And Congratulations. I, I just, thank you. And I just, I would have never met him. You know, I would have never met him had I not been on this foundation and that and this and all the people that I've met. And it's just the doors that keep opening, you know, when you show up, it's just yeah. amazing. Yeah, really does. Uh uh, I, I call them miracles. Um, and there have been some true miracles happening in my life as a result of recovery, some stuff that's, uh, you know, like, uh, beyond understanding miracles, but at the baseline, I call it st- a miracle is simply something that wasn't, wasn't going to happen for me unless, uh, unless I got sober, it was a byproduct of recovery. And yeah. I meet people like you and others, uh, that, uh, that simply wouldn't have happened if I'd been where, where I was. Um, it's fantastic. Tell me a little about your book that's behind you. Yeah. So this is my book, Quitting to Win. A proven plan to let go of bad habits, learn to feel and love yourself. And it won Health Book of the Year for 2020. Awesome. And it's part memoir, part self-help. Um, I share some of my favorite recipes in there. You know, so the first part is the past. The second part is how to live now, how I live now. And um, I also have this other book that I just got certified on that I, it's funny, we're talking about the unhackable thing, but I have an a ha- unhackable, Oops. One, one of my chips, yeah, an, so unhackable. Exactly what that sounded like to me. Yeah, it was one of my chips. 
I had them lined up here. Um, so if it's okay with you, I'll, I would like to offer all the readers a free book. Just pay for shipping and handling. If you go to my website on crystalwaltman.com, click on work with me, and then you'll see the free book offer and you just pay for shipping. And, or if they want to take the unhackable assessment and takes you through these series of questions and see where they're at, you know? Awesome. Um, so yeah. I'd like to offer, you know, anybody who's listening, those two things Great. going Thank forward. You. And yeah, I'll put that in the, in the notes it, too. Uh, okay. You're, you're easy to find. I didn't have any trouble find, locating you in Google. Uh, <laughs> so I tapped in there, uh, Crystal Waltman. I happen to have a friend. It's, you know, I don't, I maybe overthink some of this stuff, but I have a friend here that, uh, that means a lot to me that has the same last name as you do. Uh, Waltman? Yeah. It's really? not a real common, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know a lot of Waltmans, but yeah, I have a, a friend. She listens to this a lot too. So she'll might be tickled that I had uh, <laughs> talked so about. My, it's my husband's last name and he's from Pennsylvania. Well, that's not too far so away. Yeah. I don't know if those are the Waltmans of Pennsylvania, but um, yeah, she's you know, one reach, of us too. And reach out if, if you are, she's yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And my maiden name is Wallen, W-A-L-L-E-N. Wow. So there wasn't a big change in my last name or my initials or anything. So nobody really notices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just if you just slur your words a little, you don't know the difference. Yeah. You don't know the difference. Yeah. Well, awesome. I see it says eating to win and training to win. There's a lot of things behind you that uh, yeah. um, imagine follow through with what you're uh what you're bringing to the community and yeah so these are some ebooks that i offer now with my coaching you know and start to give you more pieces but um i believe in cleansing right the master cleanse the lemonade diet the traditional one that's really and then you know i'm plant-based um i just feel better when i don't eat meat yeah. You know, I just I started cutting out one day and going meatless Monday. Right. And then I would just cut out breakfast and lunch and just have a little bit of meat at dinner. And I just find that I sleep better. I feel better. I feel like my skin looks better, you know, now that I'm hydrated. And then, you know, I believe in green smoothies, you know, anything oh, yeah. green, put it in a blender. <laughs> yeah. So it's just some real basic stuff. It, it is so basic. It's not fancy at all, you know, and I really live by the five things to manage my mental health daily is water, sleep, food, movement, and connection. Yeah. Most people are walking around dehydrated. And I like to say, like, if you're, if you're already thirsty, like the Arizona dirt, Arizona is very hard dirt, like hard to farm out here. Right. Yeah. And when you, and they go, but I just drank water. But sometimes if you let yourself get dehydrated, it's like pouring water on that Arizona dirt and it just rolls right off. Like it doesn't even mm -hmm. soak in because you're so dehydrated. Yeah. So you just have to constantly keep sipping in all your systems. Like we were talking about your, our tissues and our brain and everything, you know, the body's made of water. It's just so important and so underrated. Yeah. You know, whenever I don't feel well, I drink water and go take a pause <laughs> and it's all, you know, just, you can just really not get enough water. I mean, yeah, I agree. Everybody's walking around dehydrated. They, uh, it just, it's, it's a fact you have in, to be honest, you really, you can't drink enough water. No. You, uh, you, 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 if you, if you think you're drinking a lot of water, it's probably still not enough. <laughs> yeah. So the formula, the science formula is half your body weight in ounces. Right. Yep. So, but then you have to add in environment. So I live in Arizona. It's like living in a microwave. It's 106 right. to 116 outside. Yep. And, dry. <laughs> you know, and then I, right. then so I do a hot amazing. yoga class. Then I do a hot yoga class on top of that. <laughs> yep. Sweat you know, so you just need a lot of water. So, the second thing is sleep, you know, you protect your sleep. Don't get hacked. Don't let your sleep get hacked by, you know, your phone or the blue lights or the noise. You know, I 
like to shut down at a certain time every night and start my sleep routine, you know, get ready for the next day. Cause tomorrow's going to be a great day. Tomorrow's going to be a big day. Who wants to have a small day? Right. <laughs> you know, I am tired of having small days. I'm not going to be in bed anymore. Uh, protect your sleep. Sleep is so important. And that's when your body, you know, when I was living on vodka, so for so many years, it's like your body never got into that REM sleep and that and replenishing, right? You have to get into a certain stage of sleep so your cells can rejuvenate themselves. And with the proper water and the proper sleep, you can do what they call like an anti-aging, right? You can reverse some of the things that are happening to your body. So just the basic two things of water, sleep, and food. God made food, you know, if it comes in a package, there's a better choice. Yeah. Yep. You I know, think, uh, and, um, you know, and I agree, you know, experiment with different foods and see, you know, see whether, you know, cause we're, we, I do believe we're all different. You know, I don't think everybody is made to be plant-based necessarily. No, uh, you got to see what your machine likes to run on. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and then yeah, food and connection and movement, you know, get out and move. You got to get up from your computer. You have to help your heart, you know, that's like help yourself. Yeah. Help your body, help yourself, you know, pump your blood and it could be walking the dog. Yep. That needs to be intentional movement. You know, a lot of people think that they're, cause they're busy, they're moving around a lot and I I say, okay, that's good. That's better than being on the couch. But uh, for me, uh, there has to be some intention behind that for me. It can't be uh, accidental. Uh, My car breaks down. I had to walk home. That doesn't necessarily count as exercise. (laughs) (laughs) No. And plus that will probably elevate your cortisol levels. Right. And when you, your, your cortisol levels are your flight or fight or flight, when your body kicks in that flight or flight, when the hair on your neck stands up and you're like, like, so that is a bad chemical that's released. Right. And you have to be able to realize that chemical and like, how do you counter that? through a meditation or something and bring yourself back down, you know, and some of my friends will say like, Oh, I I run on a low level of cortisol all the time, (laughs) you know, because they're just putting out fires and they're that busy person or they're like, and I'm like, but you don't have to, (laughs) that is so choice. That's a choice lifestyle to run on that level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think uh, to bring that busy thing back in again, you know, at a very basic level, my busyness is not the way that I was built to, to run. And uh, mm-hmm. at a very, at a very minimum level, uh, meditation will slow me down for a little bit each day. Uh, it, there's more to it than that. But uh, if you spin a bearing on a machine at 35,000 RPMs, 24 uh, seven, you're going to wear it out. You got to give that thing out. a break once in a while. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I work with people, just all the basic stuff of life, nothing too complicated. Yeah. And it's just really, it, it's, it's just been amazing. And you say that, you know, and most of this stuff really is, you know, even the principles and the, 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 what happens when you work these 12 steps, when you do an inventory on where, where you're at and kind of get a, you know, I, I talk about the inventory being like the, at the, at the wilderness area, when the arrow points, you are here. That's what mm-hmm. that four step is to some extent. It shows you where you're at on the map because uh, without that on the map, it's no good to me. I, just seeing it, if I don't know where I'm at on it. And so that's a real simple way to get to that. And most of this stuff is simple, but there's something about this uh, human organism that doesn't like simple, uh, wants to try and complicate everything. And, and it time and time again, uh, bringing, you know, keep it simple, stupid, that, uh, that, that fun, there's some fundamentals and, and get them back to like you, those five fundamentals you just talked about, you know, they're, they're, they're really, uh, base necessities. They're, they're not options they and, uh, but they're, and not options. they're not difficult. <laughs> yeah. None, none of that is difficult. You can and say, then, well, I can't you know, yeah. And I don't want to lead people the wrong way for every, for every yes, I get in business, I get 10 no's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, but it does, I, because I have the tools, it, it doesn't stop me. Like it just, it literally rolls right off of me. Like I, next, you know what I mean? So it, it's nothing's better than hard work. And, and I, and right now, one of my mantras that I'm living by is like, I didn't come this far to just come this far. Yeah. You know, because right. every day, every day is a gift. Yep. And, uh, and there's more, uh, 
One of my there favorites, was another one. I said, I smell more. I smell more. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going to keep following my nose and, and, and seeing what it is. Uh, you just talking about getting rejected. It brought back to that. They brought to thought that the thing about the failures that we've had, you know, and, and, you know, one of the other things that seems to be is that my failures and my rejections is where I learn the most, you know, that's where I actually grow. Um, you know, yes. When, when things come easy, when, when something just works and you didn't have to really try for it, which happens and that's really nice. Uh, then you're, you're not but, dreaming but you really big enough. <laughs> yeah, you really don't pick anything up off of that, you know, it just, that's yeah. when the, 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 the rails are greased. But when I have, uh, when I had to face things and, you know, um, it's like, it's, it's that hero's journey thing where we're, we, we're going, we're going to find, we're going to end up in a fight here and there and not necessarily a fight, but we're going to have struggles and we're going yeah. to have suffering and we're going to, so what are you going to do with that? You know, that's really where, uh, defines most of us is what are we going to do when, when things are tough? Yeah. And I had to practice some things and be in different lifestyles. Your last one was connection and, uh, and you didn't hit on it. You want to hit on it for a minute? Cause that's a core value of mine too. Yeah. Connection with your higher power and your friends. Um, so for me, I'm just, I am wired to call three sober sisters a day or when something runs in my head longer than 10 minutes and I'm starting to fret about something, I will just put a, you know, put it on speed dial and call somebody and say, Hey, this keeps, this is bothering me. You know, and then they're, they're able to talk me through it. Usually what's my part in it, you know, bring me back to what my, where my character defect is in it. Um, but connection with the higher power, you know, so you have to stay in gratitude, yeah. stay in gratitude. And it, it's so easy to slip out of gratitude, you know, it, yeah. it really is. And, and look at what you don't have, but you just look at everything that you do have, not the missing tile in the corner, look at all the tiles that you have in the floor. You know, it's like when you walk in somebody's house and they're like, Oh, well, we're going to fix that construction or we're going to, we haven't done that over there yet. Right. Like you walk in, you see this whole house and you're not even looking over there in the corner at that missing floorboard or whatever it is, you know, but some people's brain goes to right to point out that missing tile instead of, all the tiles that are there and, and you know, beautiful, beautiful. The negative so, bias that somehow another is wired into us where we just seem to be drawn yeah. directly to that. Uh, it's a weird, you know, it's another yeah. one of the deprogrammings that, yes. that we've been hacked to, to do that. And, and we need to be reprogrammed to where that's not yeah. uh, where your focus is. Uh, what I like so, to tell people is that, you know, if I walk into a party or a room and there's 30 people in there and 29 of them say, I look great. And one of them says, Dan, you're not looking so good. You know, I'm in the bathroom trying to figure out why the one guy, you know, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> listen to the 29 that told me how good I look tonight. I listened to the one that said that I didn't look so good. Yeah. All connection right. Well, is, this uh, is really connection. on one last point, you know, you're talking about the connection with that. And I have a, we use a program, a app called Marco Polo. It's a video yeah. chat thing. And I yeah. have eight, me, I'm a part of eight men in one that we have a little group one and we just stay in contact and that those right. that dumping those, that negative energy or dumping that thing. Like you talked about calling somebody really quickly. Uh, we use that tool to do it. And we have this support. We could, we call it a, it come from like the military kind of deal. And we, and there's a seal team six or there used to be, and we call it soul team six just to have some name for the thing. And, uh, and it's really caused us to, it, it's really been a huge benefit to have that connection with these, with these, this intimate connection with these seven other guys. And, uh, and it's an, it's not too many that it gets bogged down. It could, if it was a lot, it'd be, it'd be a little bit unmanageable. It's just the right, right number that, that everybody has their little bit different thoughts about something. And if you want some input or you're just, sometimes it just comes in there and says, Hey man, I got a vent. And somebody just goes, you know, and he just gets it out of his system. Kind of like screaming, you know, takes the power out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's just been, it's just I love been a that. great thing. Um, uh, I love the fact that, uh, we have that little group together. Another thing is if somebody needs something, it's that's seven guys I know I can count on that if something is going on where I truly need some help right now, mm -hmm. uh, one or more of those guys will be available. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. 
Well, it has been wonderful chatting with you tonight. We tried to do this one other time and it, and it didn't work out. And uh, I felt the energy was off during the thing. But uh, tonight uh, I feel the energy, everything's in alignment. Everything and, uh, is. I, 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 that last time I was dehydrated. And it's yep. just so funny because I, I mean, it happens to me too. And here I am preaching water, water, but it is so important. Yeah, well, that just goes to show me too. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not standing here talking this stuff just uh, like it doesn't happen to me. Yeah. Demonstrate that. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me and I will email you everything in for the notes. And yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Connected. That. And, uh, and I go pretty much real time. So this will come out Sunday. I, I, I roll mine out quickly. Okay. Uh, I'll so. Uh, if you help me before then, that'd be great. If not, I'll dig it up myself. Okay. All right, Dan. Thanks so much. All right. I am my podcast with two things every single time. Kind of the same way I've started. I say a prayer before this podcast opens and that's been working for me. When things are working, I keep doing them when they're not working. I've learned to stop doing them. Uh, and, uh, the first one is if you're, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all for allowing Crystal and I to participate in our recoveries in this manner tonight. Peace out.